Frankly, I don't want to see Rock of Ages at all. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to pay tribute to it. I'm Sean Lemmy, and this is Top Ten Thursdays. Joining me as always are... John Otney. Colin Westman. Matt Carstens. Do you guys want to see Rock of Ages? Nah, it kind of looks like the worst thing ever, maybe. maybe. It's like, let's capture a time period with like some of the worst music, like hair metal and stuff. I just feel like... Make Alex this Baldwin is so cheesy. Like a, a rock... Let's go see Tom Rock Cruise butcher these cheesy classics. I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, it's a shame, actually, when I think about the cast. I pretty much like the cast of that movie. I just wouldn't cast any of them in that movie. <laughs> when it's seeing Tom Cruise in that reminds me of uh, his role in uh, Magnolia. Uh, yeah. He's good in that. <laughs> what do you mean? No. Well, just... <laughs> You know, he's he's like, seems so cool, but I bet on the inside, he's really sad. <laughs> a lot of insight. Yeah. That's what I got from the trailer, at least. Of Rock of Ages. Sean's expert analysis. Expert, I'm sure it's all true. Well, you know, they say trailers give away too much now. And if I was able to get all of that, I don't know where I'm going here. Anyway, we're talking about uh, albums again, uh, because Mad Men's season ended, and so it was time for another album list. Uh, instead of doing the whole decade, we're doing the back half of the 80s, 85 to 89. Any reasoning for that? I guess it was just doing one year of the 80s was too difficult. I figure because Rock Ages takes probably takes place in that latter half, right? Yeah, I think so. It's all based around Rock of Ages. Yeah. Though we don't really have any of that kind of music on here. I almost put Def Leppard on here, but I'm like, I don't really like that album because it's like good. It's just because it's like funny. <laughs> Hysteria. Pour some sugar on me. Uh, no, thanks. Uh, so, I don't know. I'm not that big on the 80s, to be honest. I'm pretty big on the 80s. You're pretty big on You're the probably 80s? You're probably going to hear a lot from me. Most of these were my selections. Uh, yeah. I think it's an underrated decade, music-wise. Mainly because most of the best stuff, I think, happened sort of outside of the mainstream. But, you know, there's some good stuff here that also sold many, many records. I hope so. Let's jump right into it then. All right. First off is Paul's Boutique from the Beastie Boys. So, sampling has been a pretty vital part of hip-hop, even from the beginning. And then uh, the 80s came along, and they were really the decade where hip-hop blew up. And at the tail end, the Beastie Boys teamed up with uh, the Dust Brothers to make an album that kind of took sampling to just a whole nother level. This is an album that's super dense in production, and it's just, oh man, it's so tasty. So much, so much funk, so much... Uh, old school hip hop and not only was the production a lot better than on their debut uh, 
licensed to ill, but they really stepped up the rap game too. I feel like it's a lot more intricate. The rhymes on the first album are kind of, you know, kind of slow and boneheaded, really. I feel like they often call it like frat rap rock. Yeah, it's kind of like stupid like that. Yeah, I mean it's it's like fun, but it's really it's dumb fun. Pretty ambitious for a second record. I feel like there's just so much going on in here. Mm-hmm. So many samples, like the Sgt. Pepper's sampling. I think I read that somewhere. I don't know if I if, if that I don't know. Maybe I just made that up, but it sounds cool. Yeah, it does. Um, but that's like that love project that George Martin did even before it was like 20 years before, where he's where they were just throwing Beatles songs together to make one thing. Yeah, because I really do think it's an art form, and. I mean, no offense to you guys, but I, that's kind of the reason I don't like Daft Punk, because I feel like when they do the sample, it's just like one song, and then they just put robot voices over it. I feel like you take a band, like you know, a group like the Beastie Boys, and they just put all these different parts to create this new thing. And there's something really amazing about that. No, I hear what you're saying. And I like Daft Punk. Uh, they're doing a different thing. They're just trying to get people to dance. I'm just saying that different people sample different ways, and this one is just, the way they do it here is just amazing. Like, I don't know how someone's brain could kind of process all of that. How much are they, the three of them, in, in charge of that? Was a was a producer doing most of that, or is that them? I'm not really sure. I haven't, I haven't really read up on the making of it. But I assume the Dust Brothers had a pretty big part in it. And uh, I'm sure the Beastie Boys did, too. I'm sure... It, I think I think they probably went through it like picking out records that they yeah. wanted to do it, and the producers would be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, we can work that in." Mm-hmm. And I think it was a collaborative process. Yeah. When do you think they said, "Oh yeah, we can work with Beatles into this"? I don't know. Well, <laughs> after like, the album came out, why not? Let's put the Beatles in. So and no and how did how did that um, how did that affect them from like a, a royalty standpoint and stuff like that? feel like they're they're still getting sued like there was a story like like a couple days after adam yauk died like someone was some record company some really small one was like suing the bc boys like they had filed it like a couple days before but then it looked really bad because it came like a couple (laughs) days after adam yauk died but i thought they didn't get all these all all the copyright stuff cleared i think it's still yeah it has (laughs) so i mean because I mean, it was like seemingly in the infancy of sampling, right? Yeah, there was. I think there was a law that was passed maybe a couple years after this that that cracked down on sampling. So they were able to get away with it, I think, because they sneaked in there just before. Yeah. Before people were like, I need my money. Fucking Beastie Boys. I think this is a good album for people with short attention spans because there's so many different parts. Like, if you don't like this one part, there'll be, like, a totally new thing in, like, three seconds. Because yeah. every song is so dense with different, like, layers. and Especially that last song, B-Boy, Bay, Bay, I don't know what the word is. Yeah. Where they're just, like, throwing the whole, everything in there. The whole kitchen, kitchen sink. The kitchen yeah. sink included. Or it's just <laughs> all these tiny little songs put into one. And it's just, God, man. Yeah, a lot of effort put, went into this album. <laughs> I can tell. See that what you guys are talking about is kind of my problem because I'm, I guess I'm the opposite of the the ADD listener. I'm I'm the <laughs> lazy listener or whatever, and it's kind of overwhelming to listen to a whole Beastie Boys album for me. I I just get tired. I I can see how it it would be. What's the right word? I mean, tiring to the exhausting. ear. Yeah. <laughs> 
don't know. Just well, like an overload, a sensory overload, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they do slow it down a bit on some of the songs. Um, Beats are a little... I mean, it's certainly not as accessible as maybe like the first album, but I think the rhymes are just so much better and just what they're doing technically is just really amazing. So I probably my favorite. Beastie Boys, right? Yeah, it's weird. I feel like most people go to License to Ill first before they hear any other Beastie Boys, but for me it was Paul's Boutique. And then I heard License to Ill and I was like, this, this isn't that great. Well, I wouldn't say <laughs> it's not that great. I just It's a lot of fun. I think it's a great record. It's kind of fun, but... Yeah, I've never gotten into it the way a lot of people have. I just listen to all the singles. Works for me. <laughs> That's how you do it. So uh, I think it should be in consideration. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hugely influential. You got to. Yeah. Got to keep it. All right. So uh, let's move on to another pretty sample-heavy album, Three Feet High and Rising by De La Soul. That's a magic number. Yes, it is. It's the magic number. Three. Somewhere in this hip-hop soul community was born three days dubbing me, and that's a magic number. What does it all mean? Difficult preaching is posthumous pleasure. Pleasure and If only you could uh if only the listener could see the mad moves going on in here. How can you not be happy when you hear that song? Like seriously, I just gotta dance. Like no one no one can see me right now, but it's just it just gets in you like Sean's that. working on the webcast uh, technology. <laughs> Someday. No, I'm not working on anything right now. I'm just getting sucked <laughs> like, into listening to this. This is probably my favorite hip-hop album. Uh, in part because, you know, when you think about uh, all the hardcore rap that was popular in, in the 90s and, and the 80s, this doesn't fit in at all. It's, it's just playful and, and fun and, and weird. And I love it for that. This is this is a hip-hop album I can listen to all the way through because it just makes me enjoy it. Which is what I look for in music, by the way. Enjoyment. Enjoyment, eh? Yeah. Sounds very sounds unique. reasonable, I guess. It is nice to get that hip-hop from that era that's, like, positive and optimistic and not like, fuck all y'all, or something. Um, N.W.A. <laughs> I mean, that that's cool, too. It's just a different thing, I guess. Yeah. It's just nice to get a break from some of that, like, Let's go kill some cops, kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, I think the the my only problem when I was listening to this album is that I feel like there's a lot of tracks that are just kind of I don't know like dicking around, like playing with stuff, you the, know, the skits, you mean? And, yeah, like weird like radio type. Yeah, I guess sketches is the only way you can put it. And I was like, eh, it's okay. I mean, it's not really funny. But, but, I, I think I read somewhere that they were the first band to really do those skits on, on their hip hop album. Well, that's cool. It just it, for me, I was like, yeah, it's okay. I was but, wondering that because I, I haven't, there isn't any other hip-hop album I'm aware of that you skip, so thanks for answering that question Because I feel like there's a lot of songs that are like experiments and there are songs that are just like songs. And the songs that are just like songs are like always like really, really good. Like I Know is another one that I really like that's got the uh, Steely Dan in there. Hey. That, was, that was pretty awesome. And there's a lot of tracks I like. I just, I feel like there's a lot of tracks that I'm just like, yeah, whatever, you know, it's, it's okay. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. It is an interesting experience. It, yeah. I, it's weird that you say you've listened to it. It's one you'll listen to all the way through, because I have probably listened to it all the way through, like, maybe twice. 
It's just too long. Well, I want to hear the magic number, and I also want to hear me, myself, and I. It's true. You got to go through all those other songs. Tread Water is one I really like, too. Well, there's a lot of songs I like, but then there's a lot of songs that are, are just like, Chicka Remix. There's all sorts of weird stuff going on. It's like, that's cool. But I just like the songs. I really, no, I like this album. I just think in terms of all the other albums. I don't know. I mean, I'd say it's a maybe, but... We're going to have to cut some eventually. I didn't make a list because I never make a list ahead of time, but this would be on mine if okay. I had. I think that will be taken into consideration. Very much. Then let's keep moving. How about a Dinosaur Jr. album called You're Living All Over Me? You. So for a lot of the punk community in the in the 80s, it seemed like what they were always trying to do is get as far, far away as possible from the classic rock arena guitar solo shit. But then Dinosaur Jr. came along with this sound where, where Jay Maskus would, would just be wailing away on his guitar. He'd be using all sorts of you know pedals and effects, and it's just kind of uh, kind of really ahead of its time, I think, because... For me, this sounds a lot like what grunge would eventually turn into, that kind of really muddy guitar, the kind of low vocal vocals. And uh, it's got a nice pop sensibility to it, even though it's loud as hell, but I, I really dig it. It is interesting that you say that it's ahead, ahead of its time. I, I, you could tell me this album came out like yesterday, and I believe you. Like, <laughs> It doesn't really sound like it came from the 80s, you know? It doesn't use like cheesy 80s drums or something it's just so different from everything else came from the secret the secret 80s that colin's all about secret 80s all these albums that were just hiding and you know to be discovered like 20 years later but yeah i mean i'd never heard any dinosaur jr before this i'd always got i always got them confused with the melvins because they both have a fat guy with white hair you know what i'm saying (laughs) yeah i know what you're saying yeah um and that jay mascus is you say his name was yeah like he can really shred I think oh. the thing is sometimes it like sounds really good, like oh man, this guy could be like almost in like a hair metal band or something he's that good. But then sometimes it's like he's very experimental with it too, with like how he uses wah and stuff. I like how hair metal guitarists are like, oh yeah, like you're good enough to be in a hair metal. Band. <laughs> <laughs> you're good enough to be like a really good musician, but play really bad music. He's <laughs> really amazing, but I feel like sometimes his guitar is like hella sloppy in like their jam sessions, and they do like to jam. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it sounds really good, and sometimes it's, like, really sludgy and muddy. And this is another album where I tend to like the songs that are more, like, regular songs. Because they definitely seem to be a fan of, like, the long intro. Or, hey, let's do, like, vocals only every once in a while. I mean, kind of unconventional. And that's cool in some spots, because I can't think of a lot of other bands, you know, from that time that were doing stuff like that. But I tend to like, like, um, I guess the opening song, that was more that's a more conventional song, and... Um, to me and or in a jar or something because i really like the uh pop vocals against like sludgy like rock like that's cool i love um, that there's a song on here called sludge feast like that they, <laughs> totally they, des- they could have just called it that yeah it totally describes the the sound of the album perfectly 
Yeah, I mean, there's definitely game. times where it was really holding my interest, and then times where I was just kind of like, my my attention just kind of wandered off. Not that I didn't like what I was hearing, it just like, it was, I don't know, it was kind of confusing sound coming out. And when I was, I, I like to listen to all my albums just like going out for long walks and like putting them on. It was hard for me to tell like when one ended and another began sometimes. Um, that, was mean, kind of, that was kind of my experience. I, I listened to this while I was playing uh, Diablo 3. And I kind of just stopped paying attention to it after a while. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. That's just like heaven. What the hell is this doing on here? <laughs> yeah, there's a cover in Just Like Heaven that ends the album. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. About it. I, I, I wasn't about the screaming part. Uh, <laughs> you! Soft and lonely. But yeah, I mean, for this this album, it's all about the moments for me. It's about these moments where it all comes together. And I'm like, wow, that's really cool. And then the other moments where I'm like, oh, wow, this is this is, this is is a little crazy. <laughs> Despite what I said, uh, that first track really grabbed my attention. Uh, that was a, a hell of a thing. It just kind of explodes at you, yeah. grabs hold of you, doesn't let go, except slowly, I guess. Slowly, <laughs> it's grabbed. Slowly, slowly, it's grasped, loosened, and I descended into the world of Diablo. But I think just for the fact that this album's ahead of its time, I mean, it, it's uh, it's one to consider. But then again, we have so many albums, mm-hmm. like. I always hate to, you know, say that kind of stuff early on, but I'm just trying to look ahead here. Like, is this top 10 material? I don't know. That's why we say, let's just leave it and come back to it later. (laughs) I guess. We're going to be doing that a lot tonight. I think so. But are we going to be doing that for our next album? I don't know. Appetite for Destruction by Guns N' Roses. Cowbell. Cowbell. I'm about to listen to this on the way home. <laughs> Do you want to talk about it? Or shall I? This album. I don't have anything to say, but I'm all but about it. But it rocks. It. Yeah. Like the... <laughs> I mean, there were... I mean, Slash is literally almost good enough to be in a hair metal band. Yeah, almost. Almost. It's weird whether to even consider this hair metal or not. I mean, you look at all the bands from the late '80s: the hair metals, the Cinderellas, the the Rats, the well, that's Fiber, the thing, like the Stripers. Dawkins. And this band came along, and they just blew them out of the water. Like those bands were fucking like—I <laughs> don't even know—it's kid stuff compared to this. Guns N' Roses sounded dangerous. Like they sounded like they would fucking kill you. <laughs> like you listen to this, you're gonna get a venereal disease. Yeah. <laughs> But why, I mean, why is it? I guess it just, I don't know, it just, everything came together. They're just the quality of the musicianship and of the songwriting. I don't know why this, like, because I, I don't think I'd call this, like, hair metal. i just call this, like, hard rock. It's like just straight up rock and roll pumped <laughs> up to a level. It's like, or, I mean, you see them and it's like, you could tell that they were kind of part of the L.A. hair metal scene a little bit, like, but they just weren't good at it. Like they were just too raw, like because they got they all have long hair, etc. I mean, they fit in with the the look kind of, except they're dirtier, mm-hmm. like not pretty enough. Yeah, and they do <laughs> like 
much more drugs than the rest <laughs> of the hair metal community. Seriously, have you seen that Steven, Steven Adler drummer these days? I can't even. He's like on all those celebrity rehab shows. <laughs> it was like he got kicked out of Guns N' Roses <laughs> for doing drugs. Like how fucked up was that guy? Oh, <laughs> Great drummer though. I, it was always, it always took me a long time to get into Guns N' Roses because I hate Axl Rose so much. I mean, mainly I just like hate him as a yeah. person. <laughs> and like, and I, I, initially I wasn't that into his voice because he's so high and shrill. But he's but got the low part too. He does. He's got. It's and I kind of got used to it. <laughs> yeah. And like, I remember when I was like in my teenage years, I remember listening to that for the first time. I said, "Oh, I didn't know they had another singer." Yeah. <laughs> I thought I thought it was a different person. He only has one pitch. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's fine, and like Slash is so good, and just his parts are so memorable and classic. I mean, Sweet Child of Mine, I love it. It's like a circus kind of thing almost. That part. Never thought of that. Circus. I don't get it. It's like, I don't know. It's like circus music. <laughs> circus music. I mean, when when I first listened to this album, a while that, that's back, the that's the next level. Beyond hair metal is circus <laughs> musician. <laughs> that shit is just insane. When man. I first heard this album, though, it, it, I was, it was kind of just like, I can't wait till the next hit, you know? Yeah. But I, I think if a band rocks hard enough, it doesn't even matter how good the song is. Like, it's just as long as they just give it their all and have, bring that enthusiasm and everything. Because some of these songs, I'm like, whatever. I mean, they're pretty basic. They're pretty, like, whatever. But they just rock them so hard. And that's how I feel. No, I kind of agree with you. Yeah, it's like, so some of these songs like, is pretty, like, like, okay composition. Like, just, if some other band was doing it, it wouldn't be that impressive. But yeah. these guys just had the chops. I mean, you don't think of them as amazing musicians all the time, but they really did kind of work together and really... I always wonder, like, how does, a, how does a person like Slash get so good at guitar? You know what I mean? Like, I think he was more focused than you give him credit for. Yeah, I, I, well, I, I understand that. I'm just thinking, like... It seems like a lot of people in that era, like, got really good at their at their you know instruments, respectively. But like, I feel like it's more about just like, oh, I'm rocking. Oh, but wait a minute, I'll just be hella like classically trained at amazing guitar solos. I think they just lock themselves in the rooms and listen to records. I mean, that's what I always hear. Well, I tried to do that. It never but, worked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm not like, doing enough. Maybe the drugs do give folks. I don't know. It's. I think some people are just more. Yeah. It just. It just comes to them easier for some reason. Some magical reason within. Maybe Ow. they've accepted Satan into their heart. I don't know. Because I have not done that yet. That's my next. Uh, my next idea. Accepting Satan into your heart. <laughs> yeah. They have a good name for autobiography. Is that different from selling your soul to the devil? Yeah. Yeah, you're just choosing to follow him. It's <laughs> not so, like your soul, you know. Which one would be better if you wanted to get better faster? Selling your soul would be faster, much faster. Yeah, Robert Johnson did that. It's like the next day he set the president. He set the president like back in the twenties or whatever, <laughs> and it worked out for him. Except that he died at like twenty six or whatever. Yeah. Well, his music is kind of <laughs> creepy to listen to. But yeah, back to uh, appetite destruction. I mean. It's definitely in. Yeah. Uh, is there another? Is use your illusion even close to this good? The I've problem. Never even like listen to it. <laughs> Maybe I've, listened yeah. to it once, and I was not the, the problem. Use your illusion too. Well, the problem never with both it. of them <laughs> is the sheer quantity of songs. I mean, it's just as good. It's just as rock. You know, it's just as in your face. And I mean, the style's the same, except for you know, like November Rain and all that stuff. But 
But I mean, the, it definitely degrades the quality just because there's so much, and you, you know, you, you know what I'm saying. That's all I got. To I say. think I kind of do. Well, I just mean like there's so much, and a lot of it kind of blends together, and you're kind of just waiting for your next favorite song on the record, and yeah. And probably none of them have as good a trinity as "Welcome to the Jungle," "Paradise City," and "Sweet Child of Mine." No, but I mean, you know, you got the cover of uh, "Knocking on Heaven's Door." Knocking on Heaven's Door. You got the cover Live of "Live and Let Die." Live and Let Die. Terminator song. Terminator song. <laughs> I personally love "November Rain," but you know, I, uh, it, I'm it, on it, the record yeah. saying I don't care for it. Yeah, I'm. It has its its moments, but like the same as this record, it's got you know three or four good songs surrounded by like twenty more okay songs. Unlike this one, you know, there's just a smaller sample size. Mm-hmm. Moving. So on. you're saying Guns N' Roses is good in small bites? Advice that Axl Rose should probably take. <laughs> Hi-oh! That was, that was a really good show. <laughs> we can move ahead. <laughs> okay, how about Husker Du? New Day Rising is the name of the album. So here's here's an album that I'm really glad I stuck with it because I listened to the first song of this and I hated it so much. Um, yeah, I'm not that big a fan of the first song of this album, but everything else is pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty solid. Pretty great. Maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe the most uh, mediocre first song of any of any great album, perhaps. Anyways, uh, I was always into the replacements for a long time, and for some reason, it never—I ne- it never occurred to me to check out their uh, Twin Cities brethren, Oscar Du, who really did kind of have the same career trajectory as the replacements. They started off as this really raw punk band, even even rawer than the replacements, because they were playing these songs that were just so fast, so loud. And yet, uh, by the mid-80s, they discovered actually writing songs. Then. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't just go in there and scream their hearts out and play as fast as they could. They actually started writing these nice pop melodies and combining them with, uh, you know, these punk songs. And uh, New Day Rising, I think, is kind of the perfect middle ground between that earlier punk sound and then later on when they got even more sort of poppy. Um. Yeah, yeah. I guess you, it's a little more melodic than the the t- typical punk music that I associate with that time. Yeah, and that's kind of. I mean, Husker Du were huge in making that happen. The the uh, sort of transformation from the hardcore punk stuff in the early '80s. You know, I mean, you don't hear the, harmonies like that in early punk. No, you know. and Husker Du was, I mean, basically inventing alternative rock along yeah. with a bunch of other bands by, you know, doing the pop stuff. Never really reached me, sorry. Oh, uh, yeah? <laughs> I think it's because Bob Mould, like, leaves his guitar on one setting, and it's this really high, distorted, and it just doesn't agree with my ears. I, I mean, it's okay. It, I, I guess I prefer my punk more even poppier punk or I don't know 
just it didn't it just didn't strike a chord with me, but I respect it. Maybe it was a it was a big mistake that I started. I don't know Zen Arcade because that was it's a lot bigger. And Maybe it was tougher. for I don't me know. Either. I I had a hard time deciding whether to put this one on or the album they did the same year, 1985, uh, Flip Your Wig, which is yeah a little more poppy, a little more accessible than this one. Uh, but yeah, I'm a big Husker do fan. In the last couple of years, I've been yeah become pretty in love with them. Why don't you marry him, Colin? I would if I could, but they broke up like 20 years ago. Also, polygamy is illegal in the United States. <laughs> it's also true. Also, gay marriage is illegal in the United States. <laughs> in most states. It is weird. It took me a long time to find out that Bob Mould and Grant Hart were both gay. I'm um, not going to let it end on that note. It has anything to do with uh, anything. Bob, Bob Mould did a theme to Daily Show. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> How about Graceland by Paul Simon? Hold on a second. All right. Uh, I'm holding onto my computer and putting... What is Husker Do still going to maybe be on the list? Yeah, I I think they're... We're just doing maybe for everything. I I think they're a low maybe right now, Colin. It sounds like it. You're the one who really likes it. I'm okay with it. John's a little less than okay. Nancy is silent. (laughs) I like what I heard. (laughs) That's my favorite song off of what I listened to, which I believe was the entirety of it. Okay. So now can we get some Graceland in here? I think we can. Grammy Award winning album. Good for you not choosing Call Me Out. Would have been too easy. But yeah, I mean, this was coming Colin's off. way too hip to do, you Paul know. Simon. This was coming off, I think, a disappointing album for him. And then someone gave him, like, a cassette of South African music. And he checked this out. And like, wow, this is really amazing. And then he just goes to South Africa and says, I'm going to make an album. I was watching the Classic Albums uh, DVD series episode on this, like, a week ago. And it's just cool how it all just started. He just jammed with all these guys. And then take what kind of what he you know got from that and go back and they just work and make you know make the songs, and there's just something really unconventional about them because that they have that world feel to them and I think that's really cool. You like the first songs that that weird accordion, like it, but it's yeah. played it's played in such a way that I've never heard an accordion played like that. I don't know if that's because that's a regional thing like a South African thing. I'm gonna assume it is. I'm gonna assume all the weird stuff on here is <laughs> because of the fact that it's like South Africa, and I really like that. And the guitar too has like this jangly sound that you don't hear much except for. When Vampire Weekend <laughs> yeah, came Vampire on the scene, Weekend. they totally sort of aped that guitar sound, which is awesome because it's a cool guitar sound. And I just think of, uh, I guess it's, you know, you call me out, there's the sweet, there's like the two bass lines going, like, the wind, wind. Like he just experiments with all these cool sounds. And it's really, it just doesn't sound like anything, you know, there's nothing whoop, else whoop, like it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't like make sound effects. I'm not. That guy from Police Academy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were. You thought I was? Yeah. All Michael these years. All these years, <laughs> our friendship's been built on all these lies. I think Paul Simon also said Graceland, the song, is his favorite thing he's ever done. Which I guess I could I could believe. It's it's pretty one. simple, actually, but... I don't know. It's just real beautiful, in a way. And I like all the African chanting stuff. I know some people might be like not be into that for some reason. Did this but. lead to like a bunch of... 
South African music being produced? I well, mean, I think it definitely led to more of a, like the world music craze. I think was a result of this. People were more about worldly influences. I guess isn't that kind of a bullshit genre? Like, yeah, it we, is. We have yeah. so like there's different versions of metal music, <laughs> and then the whole rest of the world just gets world. You got you one genre. Yeah, I don't know what they call it. It sounds different though. <laughs> but no, I love I love this album. Songs are really catchy. The parts are really interesting. It's just like, how can you not feel good listening to the songs? They're so mm-hmm. vibrant. And his so lyrics optimistic. are really good too. I've always really loved Paul Simon's lyrics. Did you watch that documentary that just came out under African Skies? I thought you said you had. Mm. No. Well, I remember. Because <laughs> I just where, watched where, it. Where like, was it? Was it on TV or something? Well, I just watched it this weekend because I saw that it was on Hulu. Oh, because I did see the day the day I watched classic albums. There was like a documentary on TV, but I don't know if that was it. It could have been could another have been. documentary because I, I guess don't it's, think so. it's <laughs> the uh, that many. It must is it is it like an anniversary of this album or something? Yeah, it's like thirty fifth anniversary. Something that's that doesn't sound right. That sounds like I don't know. Well, I don't know. Maybe. Well, it'll be a year late. <laughs> well, it was close enough. But yeah, so there's been a lot. 35th. I'll have to check that out though. Anyways, what I was getting at was Paul Simon like said like. The musicianship was so good that I had to up my lyrical game, basically. You know, I, I tried really hard to make the lyrics fit the music as as good as possible, and it, it does. Let me, let me ask you guys something. This is the only solo Paul Simon album I have. Do I need any others? I don't think you need any others, but you might like a couple others. Yeah, I've checked out a couple, and I haven't got that into them. I don't know. I have checked out three others. I liked, um, oh God, what was it? I don't even remember it. So the one with Kodachrome, there goes uh, Ryan Simon. Yeah, I've heard that one. The first one's okay too. Mm-hmm. And I also have the one with uh, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're nice. I guess you don't need to get any others if you want the simple answer. All right. But, uh, but I do have Graceland because it is great Yeah, land. <laughs> This guy, <laughs> brilliant! The wordplay, <laughs> like the Rain the Man wordplay. Uh, next up is Doolittle by Pixies. I had a life-changing experience when we bought this album in Rock Band. Uh, because before that, people had said, hey, you should probably listen to Doolittle. It's kind of like the foundation of all the music you like. And I was like, fuck you. That, that shit is so old. I'm not going to listen. You're a jerk, though. <laughs> that was all going on in my head. Uh, probably in real life, I was like, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll get to it. I was. Uh... Anyway, we, we bought it in Rock Band, and I loved it. It was amazing. And uh, I immediately went back and started listening to it again and again and again. And now this is basically my favorite album of the whole decade. I think, I believe that is what I said on our blog when we did our favorite albums of the 80s. I think so. Hella good. They came up with Loud, Quiet, Loud, the formula for success. That was also the name of their documentary. Have you guys ever seen that documentary? It's about like them reuniting. Nah, they're they're kind of weird people. Except for what Joey Santiago, he's like the only normal one. 
Like, he seems really normal. He doesn't yeah. do like anything on stage. He just stands there and goes, Wah! like makes his guitar sound huge, but he's just like, eh, whatever. But like Black Francis or Frank Black or whatever you want to call him, got all his aliases. Like he listens like self help, like. Like I am, a, I am an army, you know. Like I am, <laughs> I am an individual, you know. He like listens to those kind of stuff. And Kim Deal's got like alcoholism problems that she's still trying to go over. Their drummer like went through this, all these drug problems like in the movie, like fell back into drugs. But I mean, that all aside, these these that group of misfits, I guess, you know, they make such misfit kind of music. Mm-hmm. But it it's real like it's real poppy in a way. It's also kind of kind of dark sometimes kind of all over the map and that's kind of what i like about it like one song will be like a minute long you know the next one will be a little more conventional because this one has like some of their hits and then it has like some other weird stuff like i don't know i guess dead that's kind of a weird song you're just him screaming and stuff but it gives you a choice of all this different all this great material i mean yeah you compare that song to la la love you yeah but then you got like uh you know, Monkey Gone to Heaven or like Here Comes Your Man, we got more conventional, more, you know, radio friendly ones. Um, they're just doing what they like, I guess. I feel like there's a lot of Latin themes in the Pixies music. I feel like <laughs> Frank Black, I don't know, must have spent some time somewhere in Latin America or something. Took a Spanish class in high school. <laughs> I'm sure it was more than that because he seems to include that a lot in his lyrics. I, don't know. I learned a lot in my one semester of Spanish class. For example, my Spanish, my Spanish teacher loved to say, Spanish people talk like shish, which I don't believe was accurate, but she loved doing that in class. Spanish people talk like shish. It's kind of, yeah, kind of Sean Connery-esque <laughs> somehow. Uh, but yeah, Doolittle, absolutely one of my favorites. Uh, anyone disagree? That it's not one of your favorites? <laughs> no, Sean. Yes, I disagree, Sean. That it's one of I your think favorite. you're putting up a front here. You guys must know me better than I know myself. <laughs> In a way we do. Uh, yeah, pretty pretty influential stuff. I mean, when you hear this album, you kind of do think, well, yeah, Nevermind was the next step after this. The Pixies kind of just laid it all down for for all the alternative rock bands of the 90s, basically. And it's great. Yep. Listen to it. Play it in Rock Band if you have to. If you have to. Next up is an album by a guy named Prince. It's a sign of the times. It's kind of hard to talk about 80s music without talking about Prince. He was kind of the huge, huge icons of the decade in terms of popularity and critical acclaim. And Sign of the Times is really just kind of kind of a double album in the most classic sense because it kind of just shows a guy exploring really all the regions of, of what makes him a, a great artist. You know, you got the funk stuff. You got, you know, some of the more straight-up rock stuff like and what we're listening to right now. You got the soul ballads, and uh, it's all pretty pretty great, I think. And uh, I think Prince played basically every instrument on the album, which just shows how freaking ridiculously talented he is. Is he hair metal talented? I think so. 
You think so? I think so. He can play guitar pretty well. He can solo and stuff. I feel like he scaled back a little bit for this album on some tracks. Some of it, yeah. Which I find interesting because usually when someone does a double album, I, I feel like it's an excuse to be really self-indulgent and have huge orchestras and like just go nuts. And sometimes I feel like he's just be like, like a beat machine and a cool little synth thing going on, and that's his song. That's all he needs. I feel like that's always one of the, one of the things that's really cool about Prince is he doesn't overdo it. He just does exactly what he thinks the song needs. Like how when Doves Cry on that other you know, another album doesn't have bass or something, it just yeah. wasn't working. Doesn't doesn't need it. Just needs what it needs. And uh, but there's some songs on here that I really like. I wish you played Housequake because that's definitely my favorite Housequake. track. It make it like it's like old video game music, which I really like. I feel like it could be the theme to like one of those old like NBA games or something, <laughs> like on the menu music. That beat sounds a lot like Hollaback Girl. I don't know if like what's what's the story there though. Maybe. Yeah. I like I was like, am I crazy? Am I the only person that thinks that the beat to that sounds like the beat to Hollaback Girl? And I was like looking on for Prince forum. <laughs> Whatever. Oh. And like I was like, I think it looks like you like your sounds like Hollaback Girl. And I was like, fuck you, you suck. <laughs> Prince fans are some of the beatest people I've ever did, seen. Did you say that? I didn't say that, someone oh. else did. So I'm like, someone else is thinking that and then they got ridiculed for it. They got like, crucified by the Prince fans. Maybe drones. <laughs> they they're beheaded by the Prince community. I don't know. <laughs> Didn't Prince sue his fans or something? Because they're trolling? Because they were like putting his stuff on the internet and he didn't like that? Yeah, he doesn't seem to like, you know, people messing with his music, I guess, usually. Um, some of the tracks on here I'm not as crazy about. Like, actually, this one I think is kind of cheesy. Really? Yeah, I like the funky ones. Like, yeah. I like those a lot. Then there's some other ones that I just, they seem more cheesy 80s to me. I guess okay. I just like thing. when Prince sounds happy. <laughs> To me, that's like I like this song. I like it when he's like sultry, like ah, <laughs> <laughs> bullshit, <laughs> bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you're saying. I'll <laughs> my track. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen to that once we're done here. All right. Well, uh, you know what I just remembered was uh, Prince. Uh, when George Harrison died, they did that tribute for him at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and Prince they played uh, "While My Guitar Gently Weeps," mm -hmm. and Prince just owned it, like. The whole back half is just him soloing, and it's ridiculous, and he throws his guitar away and does all sorts of crazy things. I love it when he does that, when Prince goes on TV and reminds people that he can shred. Like, oh yeah, I forgot. And that was one of my favorite YouTube videos in the beginning of YouTube, and I, I went back to it recently, and the hell of comments like, what the hell is Prince doing? He's such a jerk. Like, what the... <laughs> what the hell is that all about? People talking about Prince on the internet are just like... <laughs> It's a touchy subject, sure. <laughs> You'll probably sue them. <laughs> Find a way. All right, well... Uh, is this another maybe? I think this is on it. It's on it for me. You like this one? Yeah. You've heard it? Yeah. Okay. You should maybe say stuff when you've heard it out. Because I assume that you haven't heard any of this. Why? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Shit's getting real over here. <laughs> you know? Just keep it... Keep it loose. Well, like Prince. We're going to have to get a little serious for the next one. Takes a nation of millions to hold us back. Public enemy. Be forewarned, I have not heard this album. All right. 
then you shall remain silent. (laughs) (laughs) You can say stuff. Ah, man. This is one that... I don't know. I really, really responded to it when I heard it in high school because it's just an album that sort of just pins you down and it's, it's got shit to say. Chuck D is like the most commanding MC for me. He just has this just totally like authoritarian sort of delivery where he's giving it to you real, man. It might not be what you want to hear, but he's giving it to you real. You better listen. You better listen, son. And then the... the the Bomb Squad, who are like the production team behind Public Enemy, they're another. They're also doing stuff that's really, really impressive because it's just, you know, like Paul's Boutique or Three Feet Three Feet High and Rising. It's super dense, lots of samples, and it's just like I don't know. This one just hit me. It was it was louder than a bomb, to quote Chuck D. But then later on, I was like, I I couldn't relate to it. Because it's such a black album. I guess uh, for a while, I was just like, I can't relate to this. But then I got back into it the last like week or so. I was just like, how could I not like this? This is amazing. This is like as good as hip-hop gets for me. Thoughts? You didn't listen to the whole album. I haven't listened so. <laughs> to the whole album. I, you know, I listened to some of it in your car Yeah. for like five minutes. But I like what I hear. Um, yeah, it is pretty strong, some of the stuff. I mean, these are the guys who are like, fuck John Wayne, <laughs> and stuff like that. Those um, are strong opinions. They are. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, some of these songs are even great. Don't believe the hype and everything. And, uh, uh, what am I thinking of? What's the big one? Bring the noise. Yeah, bring the noise. I like the Anthrax version of that, though. Remember that? Anthrax in Public Enemy? It's like yeah. in Tony Hawk 2. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that rock. I was, like, watching the music video of that, like, like Grizzly. That was like the, that's the only time I'll ever say I liked a song that was rap metal. Yeah, that was awesome. Sabotage? Nah, it's not metal quite. But God, that is so awesome. I wish they'd done more stuff with like heavy distorted guitars. There's a song on here that's pretty heavy. Yeah. Uh, you should watch Channel Zero. It's kind of heavy. I, mean, I don't feel like I can form an opinion about this album because I, I just don't know it well enough. So. Yeah. Have you uh, heard it, Sean? I have once. Once. I was trying to get into hip hop. I remember that. I tried. I know this older hip hop is faster than newer hip hop. No, it's not. It seems faster. To most me. is. I feel like most, like the really old school stuff, is pretty slow. Oh, like. But yeah. Public Enemy totally amped it up to the next level. I feel like. I feel like this is way faster than most hip hop. Still, the rhymes on. Hear. I feel like rhymes of most '80s rappers are still more intricate than like Lil John or something. Ying Yang Twins. Little John like is not rapping; it's yelling. I just one feel word. like there's a lot of rappers today that are just all about little, like little John's like a producer. He's not a rapper. It's true. So, he I releases guess. songs <laughs> under his name. It's his prerogative. <laughs> I don't know if that is his. Well, I, don't know. I, I feel like I understand what Sean's saying, but good because I. I... Colin, I mean, at least Colin really scared me. I'm not me saying that's like right. Disagreed. I'm just saying like I sort of feel that way too about the rap I have heard. I'm not. I'm not. I'm pretending to be well versed in hip hop. I'm not going to, well, I have so far, but I'm not. I'm not that big of a hip-hop expert. So how, how do you feel about this album? Do you want, you, you want to make, make the list? I do, but I don't think it will because we got so much other stuff and to get to. And because it has to represent, I guess, all of us. But And we have a lot of other hip-hop albums, and I feel like we'll be like, well, we should put this one on to represent mm-hmm. hip-hop, mm-hmm. and it probably won't be Public Enemy, even though... Like, I think probably outside of our group... Like, 
qualified critics, they'd probably say this is the best hip hop album on our list. Uh, but it's just not one that appeals to three of the four of our taste. I mean, I mean, not we all love the second track, of course. The one you didn't even choose to play. <laughs> well, I'm just not mainstream enough for you, Sean. I'm sorry. Okay, so we can bump it. Our first bump. Bumping. Wow. Okay, so moving on with Hip Hop, uh, an album that came out a couple of years prior to Takes a Nation, uh, Raising Hell from Run DMC. This beat is my recital. I think it's very vital to rock around. That's right. On top. It's tricky. It's Here we go. It's tricky to rock around, to rock around. That's right. On time It's tricky. It's tricky. It's tricky. It's tricky. It's tricky. It's tricky. I'm really surprised you chose this song, Colin. It's very yeah. mainstream. It is. It's so danceable. Though. Well, it's it's not as bad as My Adidas. It's not a product placement song. I didn't choose Walk This Way. Either. I mean, they didn't write My Adidas as a product placement. They like Adidas. They like it. It just happens to be all about Adidas and how cool it is, you know? I will choose to believe you. Have you seen the music video for It's Tricky? No. With Penn & Teller? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that is one of my favorite all-time music videos. They're like these card shark guys. And they're ripping people off with three card Monty. And then this woman like calls like Reverend Run. He's like, they stole my money. He's like, they did what? And then they come down there and run DMC. They're like, they're winning. And Penn and Teller are like, you're taking all our money. Like, how how can you know? How chose to be like you? And then they're like dressed like Run DMC and they're all dancing. <laughs> and at the end, there's like some concert in Japan. Run DMC's trying to go on stage, and this Asian guy's like, oh no, you're not Run DMC. Oh no, that's Run DMC. And Pantella up on stage. And J Master J's like, that's tricky. Like, the perfect amount of 80s cheese and humor. <laughs> and but... racist accent. <laughs> That's exactly what that guy sounds like. Watch the video. He's like, oh, run down, see? I'm not trying to be racist. Yeah, double down on it, John. Double down. <laughs> That's what he sounds like. But yeah, I feel like this was, like, the gateway album to, like, make hip-hop accessible. I guess for white people. Or just for everyone, you know? It was the gateway hip-hop album for me. I think this was the first hip-hop album I ever listened to, ever bought. Uh... And I guess a lot of people would sum that up and walk this way, which I don't really actually care for on this. I mean, it's okay, but I just I just don't like Aerosmith, so that's not one of the tracks on this album that I'm really into. But like like we're talking about, it's tricky and my Adidas and UB Illin, just like the heavy like rock beats and the guitar. It's like rock rap. That's cool. Kind of like the first Beastie Boys album, but maybe I guess not as immature. Yeah. I mean, it's still like really fun and catchy. I mean, what's the song really about? It's tricky. It's tricky to rock a rhyme. Like, that doesn't really mean anything, but it's just fun. And that's how I, I have fun when I listen to this. I, I guess, hope everyone else does. I guess you could think of It's Tricky as like a precursor to all these songs uh, in the hip-hop genre that are just like, I'm so great, look how great I am. Because it's kind of just talking about, look how difficult it is to rhyme. Yeah, they're just saying, hey, you know, if we screw up, just... It's pretty hard to do this, so we're trying our best up here. It's not easy, it's tricky. Well, I feel like that's what most hip hop is. Even the old stuff is just like talk about how awesome they are. But the weird thing is that kind of disappeared is a lot of early rap is MCs talking about how awesome their DJ is. You know, they're always rapping about Jam Master J. Public Enemy is always talking about Terminator X. But now you don't have that. 
It's nice to get people talking about someone else being awesome. It's, it's spread the love. I want to. I want to hear like a like an indie band like that just writes songs like their drummer. Yeah, just like <laughs> Chad <laughs> is the best. <laughs> Chad is the best. I just can't imagine Chad like any like people singing about. Like that's the weird thing about. I mean, to go off on a tangent, the weird thing to rap. The weird thing about rap to me is like, it takes place in like reality. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's weird to think about like other songs. It's, like, is got, there any hip hop album where anyone's like inhabiting a character other than themselves? Yeah, or like yes, the masked rapper trapped in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Oh, he got you there, chick and mate. But yeah, I like that rabbit about like your your rap mate. I don't know what you call it. Your, your rap sidekick. <laughs> I think rap mate is the rap right mate. word. <laughs> My friend Todd gets lots of chicks. My they beat like buddy. him because he's got a big dick. <laughs> I don't know if it Trust me, I've seen it. Trust me, I've seen it. That's like the other guy. <laughs> I'd, tell, I'd tell John to, to do his uh, <laughs> inappropriate rap. I don't know if it's even good for the... Uh, Internet airwaves. Oh, the rap I was doing either? Yeah. I don't Off know where air. that came from. You want me to do it right now? No. Okay. <laughs> no this is fun for we the have, audience. We have standards on this. Maybe we just talked about some rapper's dick. <laughs> you did. Hey. John, that, that was second That dick. was an imaginary rapper. It wasn't a real dick. It could be anyone's dick. Okay, but back to Run DMC. I just like how they go back and forth too. Like every other word. That's what I like about some of the older raps. Sometimes it's just like every other word they switch. You know, it's like to rock or rhyme. You know, that's right on time. They just go back and forth like that. And that's so cool. Like they just were on the same wavelength. It's really awesome. I mean, this is, I don't know if this is my favorite rap album. It's definitely one of my favorites, which is probably like out of what, four or five <laughs> or something. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. I think anyone can enjoy it. Like, for people that say that I refuse to listen to any hip-hop, I say at least give this a shot and see. If could, you don't like this, then yeah, but... Could be the gateway drug. Was it opens me? you up. Next thing you know, you're listening to The Chronic and shooting up neighborhoods. <laughs> Growing increasingly embarrassed that you're white. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's so much so of... that you just want to fade away, disintegrate. Like the next album, Disintegration by The Cure. We don't pay you enough shit. Uh, if this was me, I would have put Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me on here as well. But that's just for one song. Which is already on a different album on this list. Uh, just like Heaven. But Disintegration is pretty sweet as well. Uh, yeah, it's better. I, I I respect your pick, Colin. Yeah, well, yeah, I've never really listened to Eddie Elsa. Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me, except for Just Like Heaven. Actually, that's not true. But the songs I have heard just aren't as good as Disintegration. What's so lush and beautiful. Yeah. And intoxicating. I don't know if that's the right word, intoxicating. It's a little intoxicating. I'll get drunk off the cure. <laughs> no, they'd be like, I get drunk off the cure. I live in my pants basement and wear dark makeup. Anyways. What do you do for a living? <laughs> that's um, what he does for a living. Yeah, that's his life. He lives it. Yeah, but you, you, <laughs> you say that like he makes money off that. <laughs> 
Unless he's a prostitute. Uh, sure. Like uh, a transgender prostitute. A niche prostitute for those goth <laughs> inclined Johns. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, going to this album, I was a little worried at like the length. But it's amazing how the time just kind of flies by on these tracks. I don't know why that is. I don't know. It's just you these just really beautiful parts that just build. The guitar sounds, he always finds are so good. And there's always like a, I feel like there's always like a, like a wall of them or like a bunch of them going on. It's, and he, and he chooses his synths wisely. It's very easy to choose cheesy 80s like synths. I mean, I, I think when I first listened to it, because you know, like in high school, I was a big Bright Eyes fan, still am. And I thought I need more whiny singers. So, you know, I went to Disintegration because of South Park's recommendation. <laughs> and uh, But I, at first I thought it was, like, way too 80s. I was like, mm-hmm. it took me a while to get into it just because I, I couldn't get over the 80s-ness. I, I always thought the synths were a little cheesy. But. Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe I was just used to The Cure before. Because like, I had heard lots of Cure songs before I just sat down and listened to this album. I, I don't know. I, I, just, I guess I just feel differently. But I like it now. Yeah, it took me a bit. Took me a while too, just because you know it doesn't have any big hit singles. Yeah. Well, mean, it like, kind of does, but every song's like eight minutes long, yeah. and a lot of them don't even like have a chorus. Like Robert Smith just kind of comes in with these verses that are kind of more just like accompaniments to the yeah. instrumental work. It's not really taking center stage as verse, chorus, you know, whatever. That's a pretty cool approach, I think. When a song is called Untitled, is it actually Untitled, or is it named Untitled? I think it's named Untitled. I don't feel like there's a definite answer. I mean, sometimes. I think it's called Untitled. I don't think you can get away with a song being Untitled. The song doesn't have a name. You just, you just can't well, I could it. imagine it, because I feel like when we record songs, Colin, most of your songs don't have names. I could imagine you just deciding on never giving it one. I would never do that. <laughs> But okay. if I did, I'd be like, this song is called Untitled. It's not Untitled. You just say that on the song. Yeah, that's, like, that's the it. intro. <laughs> listen up. This song's called Untitled. You don't listen to it. Bang! Um, I like Robert Smith's lyrics a lot, too. I mean, I don't think they're too whiny or anything. I actually think they're pretty good. Pictures of You is one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. He's talking about how I can almost believe they're real, but then that's like all he can feel and stuff. Like, that's really cool, actually. Really I didn't mean that, like he's whining. I just meant his the tone of his. I voice. didn't say I wasn't. You know, I I, I just think f- people usually see him as whiny because yeah. of the image. Yeah, and the the tone of his voice, I think, which yeah. I like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's on. It's definitely on it for me. Yeah, for me too. <laughs> All right, this, this top, is going to be top uh, fifteen. A log deciding of the list. Yeah, it's going to be tough, or maybe not. Who knows? We'll see. So I've got some ones in my Well, it'll head. be 3 a.m. by the time we get to the end, so people will be just like, yeah, whatever, I don't care anymore. But thanks to the magic of podcasting, it'll be over whenever you want it to be over. <laughs> I love you, audience. Just like I love the next album on our list, Psycho Candy, by the Jesus and Mary Jane. Here's an album with a sound that you kind of hear quite a bit in indie rock 
really through the 90s and up until today where you've got this this strange dichotomy of just super, super poppy songs. I mean, this is straight up Phil Spector, Beach Boys melodies, but then you just drowned them in a wall of noise. And I think that's just really cool sounding. And the Jesus and Mary Chain definitely created something really unique for its time. Uh, some songs took me a while to, to kind of get through all the fuzz and feedback. But uh, I think really when you look at it, each, each song is pretty pretty well constructed. Uh, yeah, I can definitely see the influences in a lot of bands. Like I can tell this is an influential record. Cause I, I don't know. It kind of reminds me of, like a little bit of Black Rebel Motorcycle Club or just other bands. You know, like they must have listened to this record. But I think the songs are really good. Just thing is, I couldn't. I, I have trouble getting past all the noise. Like I think it's the track, the third track, "Tastes the Floor." There's like this one part where it's like. Bleh! It's like a chainsaw is making love to a blender or something. I remember I was just walking. I had to like rip the headphones out because I had up pretty loud. I was like, ah! Like I, like, I would much prefer this album if it was just stuck to ambient. Like, the, the, the distortion and stuff is just too... It just it, it doesn't sound good to me. Like, it's too much for me. But I like the songs a lot. It just... I don't... Like, the production, I, didn't, I don't agree with some of the choices they made. I mean, even the first track I really like a lot, just like Honey. But I feel like some of the guitars sounds kind of shitty, like the the what they decided to go with. It's kind of unfortunate that we got to listen to this in the era we got to listen to it, the era of digital music. Because I bet if you listen to this over the radio, it wouldn't bother you as much because everything's going to sound a little bit staticky. Maybe. Yeah, but I don't think it was intended to be listened to over the radio. Yeah. Maybe college radio. College but... radio. <laughs> that's, that's the only radio I listen to, guys. And you would have been real cool in the eighties. Yeah, but no, when you make a record, you're not, you're not thinking, oh, this is going to sound awesome on the radio or like on the eight in your FM. Some whatever. people were. Britney Spears. Not from a production standpoint, though. They're Britney not... Spears producer was. That's what he said. He said Britney Spears this will sound good on the radio. You're not making a good case when you're comparing I... the Jesus and Mary Chain. <laughs> I to see Britney where he's Spears. going with it, though. I don't think it's. I think some artists do go for the single, but yes, I don't. That's I think true. most, no, no, most no, no, don't. No, no, but I'm saying not the single. I'm. I'm not saying. I'm just saying the production. Like, oh, this sounds kind of shitty, so people won't notice when it's on the shitty radio. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, I definitely don't think they. They said. Well, our music sounds shitty, so but, let's target <laughs> shitty listening places. But are you saying shitty like? Like the song is a shitty song, or shitty as in like, I, I'm saying our tastes are used to very clean, crisp digital recordings, and hearing static is more jarring to us than people who grew up listening to music on the radio. Yeah, but when they listen to it on vinyl, it sounds very pure. I mean, vinyl sounds much, I'd say, purer than digital. That's true. So, uh, but I, I still. Uh, I imagine most people listen to music on the radio more often than they listen to vinyl. That's just me. That's my imagination of what life was like in the 80s when eight tracks existed and that was a thing that made sense to people. I remember cassette tapes. I remember listening to Spice World on my brother's (laughs) cassette. It was terrible. Those are terrible times. I don't know what you're talking about. I only remember about listening to Macarena by Alvin and the Chipmunks. That was the better version. Anyway... I like Psycho Candy. I could live with it not being on the list. I probably could, too. Yeah. It's just one of those ones that, you know, I like a lot. I figured it was worth mentioning. 
and we already did that. Fully. So we could totally move on. You mentioned a lot of 90s music as well. Okay. Uh, how about Tim? The replacements. You talked about Doolittle being one of your all-time favorites. This is definitely, definitely, definitely one of my all-time favorite albums. It's one that I fell for really hard in high school. I don't know. Something about it just spoke to me, I guess. And it's one that as I get older, it still has that same resonance. It's just got this, I don't know, something about it. This huge sound of a band that I think was finally trying to break through to the mainstream uh, by incorporating just great songwriting into a sort of unhinged, raunchy kind of sound. And this just sounds like what I wish all music sounded like, basically. Really? Pretty much. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You wish this is what Beethoven's music sounded like? Yep. Definitely seems more pop-based than the first album. And I feel like Paul... I mean, I feel like I heard that Paul Westerberg wanted to take it into more song-based, while some of the other guys were like, we should just keep on rocking really heavy. Mm-hmm. And I think it was probably smart to try something different, because some of the songs on here are really good. Like, I'll Buy is one of my favorite just replacement songs in general. Like, I think that... I really love the chorus of that. You know? Anything you... I just want to start singing it. Um, I kind of actually like the first album better. I feel like I'm in the minority. I'm my sorry, Mob. Huh? I forgot to take out the trash. What? That's their first album. Are you talking about Let or It Be? I'm talking about Let It Be. Excuse That's me. their third album. First album. I always feel like it's the first. It is kind of. Their first album's pretty uh, the good. The first two don't count. But okay, yeah, I always, fine. Let It Be is my favorite. <laughs> I think just because it is more like punk, and I like seeing like a pop, a, a guy who seems like a pop songwriter write in like a different medium almost or something. But this one I really liked too. Just the songs are great, and, you know the emotion and you know and his voice and everything. It's so like intense. He's got such an intense voice, mm-hmm. and that's really interesting when he sings like a softer song, even. But yeah, it's just a really great album. I mean, I don't have much more to say than that. But. I don't think we need to say that much more about this. I think this is just one of those ones that has to be on our list, just because not only is it one of those, you know, great albums that everyone talks about from this era, but uh, you know, it's one that's. A personal favorite of ours too. That, uh, I mean, I, I feel like this is probably your favorite on the list, right, Colin? Yep. Nancy got it as a present from his brother once. That is true. But it was in vain because I had already been like, "Dude, you got to check this album out." And Nancy already had, like downloaded it onto his computer. But I respect it. I respect any brother who gives his younger brother a copy of Tim by the Replacements. If you're listening to this for the first time, I would recommend not getting the extended edition, which is what I listened to. It kind of bogged me down. Like, God, this shit is still going. And then I looked over. I was like, oh, I'm, this is like bonus single recording acoustic. Okay. Don't fall into that trap. <laughs> well, you've been warned, I guess. Tim will get you. So, the next up is one of two from the Smiths, Meat is Murder.
So I have a little funny story. In college, I uh, saw this girl. This girl was in my one of my classes, and she had a Meat is Murder t-shirt on. And I am not a big Smiths fan, so I didn't get the reference. So I just thought, oh, that's some crazy vegetarian. And then during Christmas break, I saw her at Dick's, like chowing down like 500 cheeseburgers. <laughs> and I was 500. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, that that bitch. What is she doing? And then I, then I found out sometime later that oh, it must have been that Smiths. At least you didn't call her out. <laughs> oh, what the? <laughs> yeah, I didn't have that big of balls. But I just put this one in here because it's it's just the Smiths album that has the most songs that I like. I mean, I tried listening to the first one and it kind of just all blurred together for me. And I feel like this one, this is a pretty diverse album. It's got lots of different kinds of tracks on it, like. Um, well, first of all, it's got my all-time favorite Smith song, which is Barbarism Begins at Home. Do you guys know that one? It's probably a weird thing to hum say. It for you. I don't. Don't, 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 don't. It's like hella funky. It's like something that I totally wouldn't expect for them. And it kind of just sums up why I think Johnny Marr is just so awesome. Because it's like funky, but he's kind of playing rhythm and playing lead at the same time. Because that's what I feel like in those, in those bands where you just got guitar, bass, and drums. Your guitar player basically has to be two people. And, like, he totally holds it down. That song is, like, seven minutes long of just one part. It doesn't even have, like, a chorus or anything. And it's just so, it just so flows together. And, you know, of course, Morrissey's doing, like, his unruly boy. He's just, like, soaring over it. Now, that's, soars above that's what he does. Music. He soars above the music. And what's the, other, what's the other big one that I'm trying to think? I can never remember the name of it. You know, the... I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is killing me. What's it called? It's like a radio um, staple. I feel like on you know the end or something. It was one of the, probably the first Smith songs that I knew, but I've never known the name of it. How soon is now or something? Or... That's it. That's yeah, it. just got like such cool effects. A lot of the songs on here I feel like are pretty long, but they just have all this texture to them, and um, they just really go places. Um. I mean, the thing is, with most of the other Smiths albums I, I've, I've heard, I just feel like there's there's not enough variation in the song styles. And I mean, maybe that it just the some it appeals differently to different people. And it just this album appealed to me just because um, of those differences. But I know most people like the other uh, Smiths album more. I do. And uh, and since we gotta cut stuff, I know this is gonna get cut, but. I just wanted to give a shout out and check out Barbarism Begins at Home. That is an awesome, funky track. It is really cool. And the next Smith's album that we are going to talk about is The Queen is Dead. I like this one. Despite the 500 Days of Summer connection. But it's only days, so I'll meet you at the cemetery gates. Keats and Yates are on your side. I dread it's only days, so I'll meet you at the cemetery gates. Keats and Yates. You know, my favorite Smith song is what? Big Mouth Strikes Again. Really? Yeah, just right in the middle of this sucker. Sweet guitar song. It's a pretty good one. But yeah, yeah this is probably my favorite of them. The Queen is Dead. And there's some other really, really great singles, too, on it. Uh, there is a light that never goes out. 
boy with a thorn in his side. Uh, yeah, this is just my favorite Smiths album, just because it's got the best songs. I can't really put it any other way. I go for them for sort of the, the poppy material, and this has got it in spades. Uh, yeah. God, he's so is this the one where they're like, hey, uh, you like the Smiths? Yeah, well, someone's yeah. like, hey, you like Smiths? Oh, yeah, Queen's dead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're kind of cool. Kinda cool. But they're right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's the terrible thing about it. They're right. I, I don't know. There's one Smiths albums I like, and it's The Queen is Dead. It's the one that sounds the way I want the Smiths to sound in my head when I think of the Smiths. And I totally know what you mean when you say that. <laughs> I think you sound crazy. <laughs> I want them to sound like this in my head. <laughs> I don't know. And I, I recognize that my vote on this probably doesn't matter because I don't really like Morrissey and I don't really like the Smiths. But I do think this album is pretty good. It's just I'm not that into anything else they ever did. So I kind of leave it to you guys. Do you think this is on the list? Yeah. Definitely. Well, I'd say no. <sighs> That's because I gave you my two cents about the other one. Because we can't have beat as murder. No, I just, I'm just i just saying I like an album better that's not going to be on the list, so logically I, I wouldn't want it. That's just the truth. I mean... Okay. I like I like Meet His Murder because I it's like like I saying it's like experimental like I like this okay I just not as much and yeah I mean so I mean I don't see it on the list personally. So do you want to take it off? Yeah. Asking Sean. Yeah, I could live with it. Well, Sean said he'd leave it up to us guys. Oh well, okay, fine. Sorry, Smiths. Next up, another British band with a very guitar-y-based sound, uh, the Stone Roses, with their self-titled debut. Is this the only album they got to put out? Uh, they made two. I've never listened to it. I don't think it's supposed to be that good. They were just kind of one of those bands that like arrived on the scene with this sound that was pretty unique and really like fully formed. And then after that, they just had so many internal quibbles with each other that they couldn't really make anything else work as well as, as this works. It's funny you say they had this sound because I, I couldn't pin down a, the Stone Roses sound, having only listened to this album at least. I feel like you almost get the entire arc of a band's career in the course of one album. I mean, from track to track, I think they sound pretty different. You don't? You think it all sounds the same to you? Well, I kind of hear I what think, you're I, saying. I think eclectic is the right word. It is quite eclectic. I mean, I feel like they they kind of put together a lot of like different British types of rock music. Yeah. You know, it's got the it's classic British, British pop. It's got the British invasion stuff. It's kind of got what the Smiths were doing with guitars. And then it also has got a bit of like the sort of like rave culture dance influence that was going on in in Manchester where these guys were from. 
So yeah, it's got a little bit of everything. Yeah. I forgot everything about this album. Sorry. I I just blurs all together for me. It was it was it seemed fine. You do it, you guys must. <laughs> I have no input. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like I didn't even listen to it. I did, but I guess it just didn't strike a chord with me. Seems seems nice though. I mean, it's good. It's not one that I guess resonates with me as much as maybe it used to, which was kind of a thing I found when I was going through all these albums again. It was like, well, will it be as amazing as it sounded to be when I was 18 or whatever? And unfortunately, most of them did, which will make this list narrowing hard. But I guess Stone Roses. Not as big a part as my, yeah. of my yeah, life. I, I like Psycho Candy and The Queen is Dead more than I like this, and both of those already got cut. Yeah, I, I do too. So, out of spite, I guess, <laughs> let's take this off. Who are you spiting I'm yourself? I'm not sure, I guess. Uh, next up is uh, Tom Petty with Full Moon Fever. I like that this song had four hit songs and you refused to choose any of them. Just so I just think it's funny. <laughs> uh, what, what's the fourth? Cool. Free Fallen, I Went Back Down, Running Down, down a dream, dream, Facing the Crowd. Facing the Crowd. That was a hit? Yeah, I wasn't familiar with that one. Well, I mean, I like Tom Petty a lot. It was a hit. So much that I'm going to say, I'm going to go on record. I, I like this better than Damn the Torpedoes, which people usually say is his best album. So Tom Petty fans, come after me if you must. I like this one On the better. forums. <laughs> on the forums. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> Shoot a torpedo at his house. <laughs> Tom Petty fans have built a torpedo. So, yeah, the question is, who's more aggro, Prince fans or Tom Petty fans? <laughs> I'm going to say Prince fans, baby. Prince fans. Probably, because they got to deal with being sued all the time by the guy they worship. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyways, Full Moon Fever, this is the one with Free Fallen... I won't back down. All the songs we basically just said. All Tom Petty's basically biggest hits. It's like a greatest hits album, basically. And uh, this kind of came out of the whole Traveling Wilburys thing, which was a super group of him and Jeff Lynne, Warbson, Bob Dylan, and George Harrison. Oh, why isn't that on the list? I thought you were all about that album. Well, I actually like this one better. The, the kind of thing is they often say this is Traveling Wilburys like part two, because I think the second Traveling Wilburys album is called Traveling Wilburys Volume 3. It is, yeah. I remember and that. And that's because the, everyone felt that Full Moon Fever was like the successor because it's got like Roy Orbison and George Harrison, all those guys play on it. Because um, I guess Tom Petty decided to ditch the Heartbreakers, which is a backup band for this. Because he said like these songs don't like sound like my older songs, but I'm like, mm, yeah, they do. They sound like pretty much like all of Tom Petty's songs. <laughs> but I don't understand that. Even though they all like end up playing on it anyways, they're not credited. It's basically Tom Petty and Jeff Lynne. Jeff Lynne produced the album and co-wrote like all the songs basically, and they work together pretty tightly. And the production's real tight. I think these are some of his best songs. Um, I, I guess, I don't know, some of these other ones, it's really not quite as a landmark album. It's just like one that's really fun. It's a good radio album. Um, I, I don't have much more. To, I don't expect it to make the list, but I just wanted to give a shout-out because I think it is some of his best songwriting. I mean, Free Fallen is like, I, it just kind of sums up his career, I feel like. Like I think that song's partially <laughs> That's really about... sad. He's in a free fall his whole <laughs> career. I don't think it means he's <laughs> jumping off a building and there's vampires everywhere. But that would be a pretty sweet movie. 
and they're just the waiting. Tom Petty story. <laughs> a man jumped off a building. Really dark film with really upbeat music. And sounds like vampires a good idea to me. Actually, that sounds pretty cool. Well, yeah. Full Moon Fever. You got werewolves and stuff. I feel like the next Twilight. Tom Petty music. <laughs> Sweet. But I, I guess I just wanted to chime in on that. I mean, I don't know if anyone else wants to have any other comments before we move ahead. Yeah, I mean, listening to it, I felt the same way I feel that all Tom Petty's music is, which which is, it's fine, yeah, if you want, like, straight ahead, just rock that's kind of poppy and pleasant, but doesn't really get me excited. Well, I think there is, there is some songs that are more insightful than people give him credit for. Like like I was saying, Free Fallen, I think, is definitely... yeah. I mean, obviously something maybe like running down a dream. There's really not much there. It's just like rocking. Mm-hmm. Just rocking. Wasn't that in one of the Grand Theft Autos or something? Sounds Vice about City right. or something? Could be. That's how I fell in love with that song. I only listen to talk radio on uh, Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to cut it. And I'm going to keep this thing moving by bringing up the next album, Rain Dogs by Tom Waits. Edna Million in a drop dead suit, Dutch pink on a downtown train, two dollar pistol. My Tom Waits experience was really interesting. It happened a few years ago, and I'd always heard about him from people I feel like Nick Duncan, oh, some yeah. of our friends. Oh, yeah. Some of our friends that are into more obscure kind of AJ? singer songwriter music, probably AJ and everything. And I didn't know any Tom Waits songs. I didn't I had no idea what he sounded like. And I just put it on. And then here's this guy that sounds like Cookie Monster smoked a bunch of cigarettes. <laughs> the first song on the album is Singapore, which is one of the weirdest songs on the album. <laughs> <laughs> terrible Tom Petty. Or Tom Waits. Great, <laughs> that, great Tom Petty. Yeah, it's pretty terrible Tom Petty as well. <laughs> but this album is very avant-garde in that way, in that he sings very unusual. He uses a lot of unique instruments, xylophones, lots of weird percussion. Uh, the track we're playing right now, uh, Chuck Full of Bourbon, is more blues-oriented. He's got a lot of those ones, kind of these lounge songs that just kind of creep along. Keith Richards plays on a couple of them, and that's kind of cool. Adds a little little guitar flair, and I really like that. I think the big the, the big thing is some people are going to think Tom Waits' voice and like what he does is really cool, and some people will just be like, this is weird. I don't know. This is like some weird n- nightmare with mutants, because all his songs are about, like, you know, there's some weird dwarf with one arm who gambles and <laughs> is a pimp. Like, there are these really dark, almost grotesque stories, and I think some people are going to think that's cool. Some people are just like, this guy's fucked up. And I, I already have a feeling, I'm just getting this feeling in the room from these guys that um, they didn't respond to it maybe in the same way I did. Yeah, I respect Tom Waits as... A songwriter, but I don't enjoy Tom Waits as a singer really at all. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's a little strange. I like some of his songs on here. Like, I like this one, but a lot of it, yeah, is just too weird. Tom Waits is one of those guys that, like, yeah, you always hear of people being all about him, but for me, I've always just kind of looked at him and been like, Man, that guy is just too weird. I'm never going to get into him. It and I rarely give up on artists. But Tom Waits is wow. just one of those guys that I just go, I just can't get into this dude. There could, it you, makes me sad. You I just could can't. like his earlier stuff. His earlier stuff's different. What's kind of weird is Tom Waits went to this transformation in the 80s where he started singing, like I was saying, like Cookie Monster. 
in the in the like the mid seventies, he's like Bruce Springsteen, basically. That's like mm-hmm. how he sung, and that's what his music's kind of like, you know. And he'd have these songs like, well, "There's a box on the streets looking for one last meal." And then on this album, he's like, "There's a box on the street looking for a, one last meal." A boxer, a boxer. <laughs> I just made that up on the spot. I don't know. But this album, you know, it's it's more stuff like, "I have a wooden leg." Where is my shrunken head? No, we doesn't even rock. You know, weird stuff like that. <laughs> it's avant-garde. It doesn't even rock. <laughs> and I love the imagery that this album evokes. And I do think he does have some good other songs, like Downtown Train, I think is really, like, I, th- I think that's just as good as, like, any Bruce Springsteen song. That kind of calls back to his earlier stuff. That became a hit for Rod Stewart, out of all people. And the man also, needed a hit. He, there's another way that makes him like Bruce Springsteen in that he writes songs that become hits for other people because in the 70s he wrote a song called Old 55 became a hit for the Eagles I'm sure he wasn't bad at it because he's too cool for that kind of stuff <laughs> um, I just wanted to comment on this because this is the album I was most excited to talk about just because it's I think it's the weirdest and I think for some reason that just I really respond to how different it is I don't usually uh, consider myself someone who likes artsy or avant-garde music or experimental that's how I have it listed in my iTunes, experimental as genre, because I don't know what it is. Uh, but I, I, I still think it's really daring, engaging, and just weird, and I think it's worth exploring. I think everyone should at least try it. I mean, I, if you don't like it, I, I totally understand, because it's weird, but it's worth checking out. But it's not going to make the list, so we can move ahead. To an album called The Joshua Tree, a little group from Ireland called... You too. Is that an Irish accent? Uh, I hope not. Sounds like a New York guy. <laughs> you too. So this is... In my opinion, the first great U2 album, maybe the greatest U2 album. I mean, first four tracks on here. I mean, you give me a run on any album, four, ta- uh, four tracks as strong as, as uh, Where the Streets Have No Named, I Still Have Found What I'm Looking For, With or Without You, and Bullet the Blue Sky. I mean, come on. That's amazing. This is, uh, this is what I think of when I think of U2, uh, who is a group that I enjoy listening to. They're, they're out there for me. They're one of my favorite bands. Not too ashamed to admit that. As a young man, I still like you too. I remember in my high school English class, my uh, teacher had gone to a U2 concert. and She's like, anyone want to look at my pictures from the U2 concert? And no one said anything. And then she was like, Sean Lemmy, I bet you want to look at these U2 concert pictures. <laughs> and so I had to come up in front of the class and look at her computer. Look at Bono. She was like front row. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, they do seem to get so kind awkward. of a bad rap, and I think I guess it's probably because of Bono's all his, out of all his his status as trying to save the world and stuff. I don't. I, Which, seems like an. What a weird thing it. to complain about. He's trying to make a difference oh, with I'm his so celebrity. So tired of seeing you try to save the world. God, <laughs> just leave it alone. It's fine, decaying in ruins. <laughs> I never understood the typing bomb for that. I, I like I said, I think he's a pretty nice guy, and this is a pretty amazing album. But not because Bono is a nice guy. It's because of lots of great things. I, I think the thing that I've always responded most is the edge. Wearing my edge hat right now. Just listening to Oh, the that's what that's all about. <laughs> Looks more like Jamaican. <laughs> oh, man, I like the YouTube. Makes your head look very large. <laughs> He's got it over the headphones. Well, thank you. 
What, what's funny is I feel like most of his guitar parts are actually kind of simple, but then he has like, he's a master of effects, like in sounds, like just what he creates. Like, I, I feel like I watched I watch some documentary where how they write their songs, at least for this album, is they kind of just jammed together and came up with cool parts. And then they all went and recorded stuff on tapes. And Edge would come up with like a huge bag of like 50 tapes of all these cool parts that he'd come up with. And they just kind of string them together. Because he's got all these sweet little, just little, little patterns that go on here and there. I've never felt he was a really flashy guitar player and that he doesn't go for the big solos. He creates like textures and kind of like mm -hmm. like a like an area for you just to be in and, and inhabit. Wide open spaces. These wide open spaces. And it's like it just when I feel like this, I like I feel like I'm listening to a soundtrack and I'm in the music, you know? It's so it just so engulfs you. Like the soundtrack to America. It's the yeah. <laughs> except that it's, you know, another country. But still, but I mean Joshua Tree I feel like is kind of it's an like American their album. American yeah. album, I think, where they really got sort of fascinated with just the idea of America. And there's a little bit of blues in, in some of the songs. It's not that heavy, but it definitely feels more American than anything they've I mean, done before. In God's that America, isn't it? America's God's country. Maybe. God created America, greatest nation on the earth. I'm pretty sure Jesus said that when he wrote the Constitution. <laughs> I second that. That checks out. You know what's funny is the uh, the way I got into this album was the trailer to The Kingdom. I think. It oh was, yeah, because it was just "Bullet the Blue Sky." Bullet the Blue Sky. That was the song that got me into this album because it's just it was. I was like, is that like a newer U two song? And I was like, wow, that's from like the eighties. Like that, that's not, that was so a cool heavy. trailer because how often do you see a trailer? It's just one song the whole way through. Yeah. Plus, like an Adam Clayton like heavy track. I feel like he like started like that song. Like he came up with the riff. Like that's cool because I'm all about the rhythm section of U two. They don't get enough love. Especially like Larry, he's like so tribal in how he plays, almost. It's like really interesting patterns, actually. And when Colin and I saw you two, we were definitely sitting on the rhythm section side. <laughs> got a lot of, of added stadium. Larry. He's got this big heavy leg, pounding, boom, boom. He, he's, he just look at him. He looks tough. He looks like a villain in a Die Hard movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's ripped. He's ripped, but not too ripped. Not intimidating. Just, just ripped, ripped enough. <laughs> just ripped enough to. Being one of the greatest bands, you know. Yeah, I, mean, I have nothing to say, you know, uh, but good things about the Joshua Tree. Okay, then I will just say we have to lose two albums. Okay, so we're on to trimming uh, the fat. Ones that I didn't particularly like, but I'm okay with. I mean, obviously, because they made it to the maybe section. Are uh, Dinosaur Junior, Husker Du, GNR, Prince. I want to keep GNR and Prince and Prince. The other two I agree with. Those are both kind of yeah, Colin ones. Those, uh, I, I Most suppose. of this is Colin ones. Most of this is us taking, ripping out Colin's heart and then like, eating it like Indiana Jones. <laughs> well, to be fair, that's most episodes of the show. No, I mean, this any, is a very PG thirteen part. Any week where we get to talk about a lot of my favorite music, it's, it's good times. So I'll bump those complain. two that I talked about. I suppose. I mean, I'm not as big a fan as like Disintegration as those two, or well, like Three Feet High and Rising. Whatever, do what you gotta do, Sean. Rip my heart out. Okay, because I like those two a lot, as I said. Me too. Sorry, Con. Oh, Guys. Matt, you want to get in there? Um, I nope. just uh, okay. We're talking about albums he hasn't heard. Well, I, I was just gonna say that I like Disintegration more than those two, so. Go right. We're down to the ten. Yep, we got ten. I'm probably gonna put De La Soul on the lower end of the spectrum. Sounds about right to me. All right, 
Sean's Sean's all right with the two. What ifs? What ifs? Ain't nothing but thang. Uh, we're putting Burking. it in the lowest spot. Well, I mean, we're putting it below Guns N' Roses. I like Guns N' Roses better. You just haven't learned to embrace rock shots. <laughs> you got to drink more and do more drugs. I guess pick I'll up more strippers. <laughs> You'll appreciate okay, it. Okay, so what goes between De La Soul and Guns N' Roses? Hmm. I probably I don't know. Guns N' Roses has really been growing on me. It's really good. Like I probably I probably <laughs> like it better than Raising Hell or Run DMC. Yeah. I don't know about that. And that's one that I put on, so I'm just saying. Can we, can we be real besides Colin, did either of you guys make it all the way through Sign of the Times? Sign Peace the Times. I have in my life. Not recently. I didn't. So I understand what Sean's saying. I mean, that's one I'm I'm okay with putting in the lower end. All right, make it happen. It's all right with me. I wasn't really even expecting it to make the list. Well, too bad. Because <laughs> I, like, I like Housequake. Where do you guys think Beastie Boys is on this? I don't know. Be uh, pretty high for me, but I don't know about... There's still a couple before it, definitely. No, 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 no. I I need to do a gut check. Another gut check. I know Colin loves Tim. How do you guys honestly? How do you feel about Tim? I feel like Tim should be kind of high. Yeah. Okay, I'm fine with that too. I think it definitely should be above Guns and Roses. I all agree with that. Stop. Shit. <laughs> okay. Okay. Look, those. That's, that's. I just feel like you're that, going out of your way to. That's the one that, that I do, I want to get it in there so I can put better albums above it. So what do you think should go next? Oh, I just don't think there's any better albums than Go like, that's, <laughs> that's the best shot. That's fine. So tell me which is the I can't tell. least so, best of the ones left on the list. So why is jo- is Joshua Tree 10? No. no. Joshua Tree's not on the list yet. Oh. Looking oh yeah. I'm looking at the wrong side. Yeah. Okay, I got you. I'm still looking at Raising Hell. Yeah, for me, the next one would be uh, Disintegration or Raising Hell. How about Disintegration, then Raising Hell? Then Guns N' Roses. Uh, how about Raising Hell, then Disintegration? Yeah, I don't give a shit. I think, <laughs> I th- okay with that. I think sure. Disintegration's better than Raising Hell. Probably. I mean, I don't know. They're so different. I never yeah, thought I had to compare those <laughs> two albums. the Cure and Red DMC. Oh, it's too bad they never work together. <laughs> uh, just so you guys know, if I put Guns N' Roses in the next spot, it misses the top five. Well, you keep bashing it, so <laughs> Look, I feel like we gotta just, you know. I, I give res- it to me five. I Sean. respect just... this album. Uh, I think if I was going to like a Guns N' Roses album, it would be this one. Uh, I there's, su- there's only <laughs> three. <means> nothing. <laughs> just there's put it in there and that... we'll call it. A- I mean, it's at six. It's a pretty evil number, so that's pretty appropriate. If we put Guns N' Roses at six, I mean, I would put it next. Yeah, sure. What I just. It's fine. Whatever. It, it, for me, yeah, next would be the. I I, I feel like I I, I I feel like I know what you guys are talking about. Like, oh yeah, but then whenever I go back and listen to it, I'm always like, oh, this fucking rocks, man. It's so awesome. Do you think next would be Graceland? So let's just say that. Yeah. Okay. For me. For so me. appetite for destruction or Graceland for number six. Oh, God. 
Well, Graceland's definitely better than Appetite for Destruction. Says John. Colin? Yeah, I'd take Graceland over it. Yeah, me too. Even if it is old people music. <laughs> Seriously, don't, I feel like all people that go to Paul Simon concerts is like 75 years old. My first memory of that album was my junior high art teacher would put it on in the background and we'd be, we'd be doodling our little chalk drugs or whatever. So yeah, I've never thought of it as a cool album. But the but songwriting's so good. So good. My dad turns up on the radio when it comes on. Yeah. It's because that's the only way he knows how to listen to music. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you could ask. I never yeah. considered that. His record collection isn't that big. Ooh. Um, so these next four, pretty huge. I mean, it's it's Tim for me. I know it's not going to be Tim for you. No. Uh, it's Paul's Boutique for me. Yeah, that's what it would be for me, too. I'm fine with that. So let's make it happen. All right. So you got four? You know, then I got I, I got to lay it down at this point. Then it is Tim for me. I'm sorry. I just. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I figured it'd be that way. It's a pretty good spot. It's a pretty good yeah. album. It's my number one. But uh, as far as I recall, when we did our 80s list back a year or two ago, Doolittle was, was both Sean and John's number one. So is that how it's going to go? That, that's the way I would put it. What do you mean with the final list? Yeah. Because I've been kind of going through some things now where I'm thinking it may be Joshua Tree. I mean, I like Joshua Tree. At number one. I feel like that makes more sense, actually. I would like Joshua Tree. Yeah, I'm totally fine with that. I love Joshua Tree. Okay, let's do that then. All right then. So, Tixie's at two, Joshua Tree at one. See, we thought this would be all painful. It wasn't that bad at all. The bottom half was kind of painful. Sorting (laughs) off. Cut, trimming the fat. That's me taking scissors into like someone's guts. I'll just presume it's Axl Rose. Um, <laughs> so our top ten albums of the late eighties, nineteen eighty-five to eighty-nine. Number ten, De La Soul, Three Feet High and Rising. Number nine, Prince, Sign of the Times. Number eight, Run DMC, Raising Hell. Number seven, The Cure, Disintegration. Number six, Guns and Roses, Appetite for Destruction. Number five, Paul si- Paul Simon, Graceland. Number four. The Beastie Boys, Paul's Boutique. Number three, The Replacements, Tim. Number two, Pixies, Doolittle. And number one, U2, The Joshua Tree. Well, I don't think we'll be seeing Rock of Ages this weekend, but if you do, you can go ahead and post your uh, review of it in the comments section of this episode of the podcast over at mildlypleased.com. I know I'll be interested to see what you think, and uh, keep listening. We'll be back next week with another exciting list. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye.